Most people experience life through our five senses, but I would bet the majority fail to acknowledge and purposely live in the highest state of those senses, a process we sometimes refer to as being present or even living in the now. In this episode, we focus on one of those five senses as we describe and break down the difference between hearing and listening. One is something we do, and one is something we actively participate in. You won't need a near-death experience to suddenly appreciate the gift that hearing is and the abundance that listening offers. Now, if you find yourself in appreciation and gratitude after listening to this or other past episodes, then please consider taking part in our Value for Value Exchange. Give back the value that you receive by sharing the podcast, reviewing us on iTunes, rating, subscribing, and interacting on our social media and YouTube channel, offering any of your skills and services that could assist us in our expansion or support us through the good old-fashioned energetic exchange of modern-day currency through our patron account. If you're interested in that, you can go to wise-wise.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We do have some cool perks, including a shout-out on an individual episode for you. Now, whichever way you decide to support us, we appreciate it and full of gratitude. And so relax, release the worries of the day, and practice those listening skills. And now, let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander Uncovering our authentic self Through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility Hello everyone, Alexander here with my co-host Aaron Keith in the house We are so glad to be with you cats This evening, this morning, whenever you're listening to us so we're going to bring up a topic uh, today to um, have a little fun with, and that topic is the concept of listening and how that differs from hearing. And uh, this is a little bit of a, a way to connect to terms of the past, such as it's been used in the past often, such as living in the present moment, being present, living in the now, um, living in non-attachment. These are phrases that many people use, but sometimes I wonder like how they really see that. And it kind of helped me to create this idea of listening and how that does differ from hearing. So I guess what we will be talking about is a more like intentional way of hearing, which would be uh, more of the listening term. And I assume that many people understand this concept because I think one of the ways that we actually do it is when we tap into that that flight or fight response where our heartbeat goes up and we get real quiet. I know sometimes I do this if I hear like a wild animal outside, mm-hmm. I'll like turn all my, turn off all my lights and and get to like an open window and just listen. Um, I actually heard a, a red wolf right. the other night yeah. howl, so that was kind of pretty pretty yeah. cool. But I guess maybe that's what people are most familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that concept of the fight or flight because when we experience something like that, all of our senses get heightened. And that's really what I want to bring in this concept of listening is an active, an action where hearing can be passive, seeing can be passive. But this is kind of like combining all of the senses simultaneously at a heightened state to be extra aware of your surroundings. And the fight or flight response is where most people have a brief experience of that, but they can forget it very soon after. And the whole concept of today's sharing is going to be around 
how to utilize the strength, this power, in a non-aggressive or confrontational or fear-based way. And this is part of living the just philosophy to make this a lifestyle rather than just a concept, is that you do practice these things daily and it becomes part of who you are. And this practice of listening is um, something I'm very excited about getting into. And when we bring in the the polarities, I guess, I don't know if they would be polarities, hearing and listening, but when we focus on hearing, it's something that we do every day. And you called it passive. I would even throw in the term selective, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yes. And, and that's, that's part of passivity. Uh, see, when, you, when you're active and plugged into something, there's not, things normally don't come and go. And, but when we're passive about something, we'll pick up certain parts and then other parts we let go by. And that's the same thing with the way that our vision is. You know, we, we can see and we can be very peripheral in our seeing and taking in the whole picture, or we can be very focused on one single thing. So all of this listening is kind of taking your uh, whatever the sense is and widening it or taking it to a bird's eye view to where you're just, you're, you're almost softening. It's kind of like that picture, those pictures with dots that come across Facebook many times, but you're supposed to stare at, and then if you can relax, it can become three-dimensional. But the harder you try to see it, the further it gets away from you. And that, that's another good example of this listening style is that you are focusing, but at the same time you're relaxing. And uh, those visuals or those pictures um, that offer that is a, is a great example. And when we talk about listening and the flight or fight response, with that response, we are in, in kind of like an emotional reaction, right? Where we are, at least in our physical level, where our heart rate is beating and and we're doing it out of survival, whereas what, what you're talking about with the intentional listening is a more focused listening, but without that physical cost. Yes, yes. And it's really through the relaxation of non-emotion, non-preference. Many of the things that this uh, whole philosophy is based around fall under this umbrella. Anybody that practices martial arts or any heightened sense of awareness, there is a big part of it is the relaxation part. So you're still very present and very focused, but at the same time, you're very relaxed. And that's what, when people experience this heightened sense in a confrontational situation or fear-based situation, that's why many times they can't hold on to it or they can't remember uh, much about it or the experience of it because it comes and goes so quickly. And uh, it's an it's an extremely useful tool and those of you that have heard in previous podcasts me say to practice that non-preference, this is one of the biggest reasons for that, is that that's how this tool works optimally. When you don't have a preference, therefore you're not defending anything. So you can sense everything the way that it actually is rather than the way that you prefer it or want it to be. And so for somebody that's truly seeking truth, you need to be willing to step outside of your preference to make sure that you're seeing something for the way that so-called truly is rather than the way that you're influencing it to want to be. So uh, so this just gets you know deeper and deeper, whether you're using your vision or some people can use their taste and they can taste things, whether it's through wine or food, that you know other people just didn't take the time to maybe taste. And so... This is a great, you know, internal investigator to just practice all of these senses heightened and relaxed and with non-preference. So I'd like to suggest everyone to, you know, do that with music. Um, You know, I'd like to ask how many listeners actually take the time to just sit with maybe some headphones and, and I do say headphones even over earbuds, but earbuds are acceptable. But you just listen to music while doing nothing else. That would be like a heightened sense of practicing the listening. Uh, and you're listening, you're going around in the music, and you're listening to each individual instrument. And you kind of 
single it out a little bit. So you go to the guitar and you just listen to that and you may hear things that you've never heard in a song that you've heard maybe thousands of times. And then you go to the drums and this is a good practice to go in and out of that focus, to focus in on a specific point of the song and then to come back out and listen to it as a whole. You know, we can do this with sight, with taste, with hearing, with touch, with all of the senses, this practice of, you know, the next time that you touch something or someone that you love, you know, take the time to really feel what their skin or their fur feels like to you when you touch it. Like, feel that. And see, you're going to see and come to understand that all of this just takes a matter of adding just a few seconds, seconds, people, not minutes or hours or weeks but seconds to your actions. And in those seconds, you can learn to breathe. So another practice that I've mentioned before is learn to take a breath before you respond in action of any type, whether it be verbally or in physical action. Just practice taking a breath. And see, in that breath, you can do this practice. In that breath, you can focus on whatever you, whatever sense you were just connected to, to taking that just a little bit deeper, whether it's the sense of touch or the sense of taste, you know, and many times when people are focusing on like taste, for example, they will close their eyes automatically. And so this is the beauty of whether it's listening to music with headphones and closing your eyes and maybe not having anything in your mouth. And so all of your focus can go just on that hearing and same thing with all of these different uh, senses that you're practicing, that you take the time to set up your environment. This is an optimal practice to where you're not being influenced by any other sense at that time, you know, to watch a movie or something on TV without any sound and see how much more you get out of the physical actions of the person, you know, to, to be in nature and maybe take earplugs and to, feel nature and to smell nature, but close your eyes and maybe not hear it and not see it. So these are all just great exercises to go through strengthening these senses that I happen to feel that when all five senses are heightened and relaxed simultaneously, that is what I like to call listening. And it's a full body experience. I like how you brought in truth there and you talked about listening without a preference, and that kind of went hand in hand with uh, selective hearing. And when you talked about like petting an animal with fur, I thought about how because Jocko is laying next to me. Jocko. Um, I thought about how we pet animals. We expect the fur, or we know what the fur feels like so we don't have that full experience because we've experienced it before but there is so much when we actually focus on the animal like we've never felt it before right so like you said it's kind of like emptying the mind um and having no more than no preferences but no expectations as well yeah, it's kind of like approaching life in a childlike view and just about any spiritual path or religion that you go to, there's a, a few constant teachings. And one of them is to be more childlike. Almost every wise person that I studied at all has this teaching in some form or, or not. And part of that is that amazement of getting the most out of an experience. And that's why I love watching kids before they can talk and move around too much because they're amazed by their hands and fingers and by things that just move, you know, gently. And I love seeing that amazement in those young faces because, unfortunately, it seems in our culture especially, that just diminishes over time for most people. So this practice of conscious listening, you know, is going to connect with uh, a lot of things that we've talked about in the past, and it is just about having a different experience in your everyday life. And it doesn't take the time or the money that most people consider that it does to have a completely different experience of your, of your day. And it is a matter of seconds. Like many 
people say that, you know, sports, especially like football, is a matter of inches with these big men battling for inches. And in our lives, it's just a matter of seconds. And those seconds accumulate. And so the more, that's why the more we practice just in everyday life, that accumulates and we get better than just taking one day a week to focus on something specific. And so bringing this into your uh, general well-being is the optimal goal. And we're all we're asking for is for you to take one to five seconds in between each interaction with another human being, whether it's a phone call or in person, and that can change your whole uh, daily experience. And this reminds me of the stories that I've heard of, you know, people having near-death experiences or actually dying, coming back to life, or even we can look at Scrooge and when he thought like his his world was was going to completely change, he had a, a, a change in how he viewed the world. Mm-hmm. And when people go through these uh, life-changing experiences, they tend to come back with this a similar perspective of enjoying the the fruit of life not going through the mundane you know waking up going to bed same old stuff same routine they're really enjoying life it's like and even like i think ancient cultures uh may have done this to give more meaning to life i don't know if it ha- if it had to do with the uh, coming to age or the i don't know what they would call it where uh when you reach a certain age they would have you go out and, and prove that you can live. But like vision quest. Yeah, and, and it just, it gives a, a more of a meaning to life versus mm-hmm. kind of what we just exist because we're not taught this. Right. So this is something we have to find out ourselves on our own journey. Yeah, and I think, you know, many people in our present culture uh, would judge past cultures and say, you know, to take a 12 or 14-year-old you know, kid out into the woods and leave them by themselves, you know, sometimes for weeks at a time, um, you know, now would probably be considered child abuse or neglect. But that was what that was instilling. Part of that ritual was to instill that when you, you're going to either learn to, in that situation of being taken out into nature, to make nature your friend and to utilize everything that you have optimally to survive and get out of the fear or you will stay stuck in that fear and you're not ready for that so-called manhood or that next level. And so many of us, you know, get put to that test through the act of uh, caretaking for someone that is either ill or dying or ourselves having to go through some kind of sickness. So so normally there's some kind of loss that activates the useful side of this lesson. And this is why, you know, approaching it more from a conscious standpoint and intentional standpoint, we can get similar lessons in a way that doesn't have the same amount of cost. And this is the benefit of self-development work. And, you know, a lot of what I have to share has come through these realizations and through so much loss and death that, you know, I've fortunately or unfortunately uh, had the opportunity to go through, you know, at this point in my life and throughout my life. But that's why I like to share with people that death is what has taught me to live. And when you go through enough it does change your perspective. And, you know, we have a, a practice in an episode in this podcast of the six priorities in life. And this is really what this work is deeply connected to is those six priorities. And they are listed as the divine or God, yourself, your intimate relationship, your children or immediate family, your career, and your social situations. So see, many times this is what order will change when somebody goes through a life-changing event or that's what this work will help to rearrange is when a devastation happens, those order of what's important in life gets reevaluated. And what we're doing here is providing an opportunity for people to make an evaluation, a reevaluation of importance without the cost of loss. 
And all it takes is a little bit of due diligence each and every day and how we approach everyday mundane situations to make life be alive again instead of the mundane. Because believe me, whatever you're, whatever kind of life you're experiencing that you feel is mundane, there are so many gifts in everything that you are experiencing that you're just not seeing. So I like to suggest to people very often, if you want a change, make a change in your present situation before leaving your present situation to go look for that change. Initiate the change first, exactly where you are, with whom you're around. That change needs to happen within you because many times people will leave somebody or a job or something with the intention of changing But many times what they do is they just go recreate the same scenarios with different people. So my wonderful teacher, Sam, told me close to 20 years ago that, you know, every teacher you need is right in front of you. So there's no need to go seeking. Uh, Utilize everyone around you and always remember there are more teaching you what not to do or what doesn't work. When you can stay out of judgment, you can receive that than those that are teaching you what to do or what does work. So, um, so you know, this, this listening, you know, the ripples just keep going out, that it's not just what you do in the moment, but it's then what you, the information that you gather, like what you do. And this uh, rearranging the priorities is, you know, many times the next step. In a previous episode, we talked about, shifting our vibration when we have a slight emotional reaction throughout the day to get back to center. And I would even say this is kind of what we were referring to, to get back to this state of mind where we're we're in, enjoying being alive, feeling everything around us, and just being content. And why would we want to give energy to those emotional reactions when we can be in this all the time? So shifting to get right back to this, Um, I think is what we were kind of referring to as well, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, a big part of that is boundaries. And that's an issue that most everyone in our culture has an issue around. Either they set too strict of boundaries or they uh, don't set good enough boundaries. And in order to do this uh, self-development work at the highest level, boundaries is one of the most important uh, parts of that. You know, and the way that we socialize is another big part of that. To to realize that this work that we're talking about doing, it does only take seconds, but it takes taking those seconds continuously enough to make a difference. So, you know, many people don't understand why I don't do more social events than I do. For one thing, I'm not designed to. I'm a 4-1 uh, generator in the human design. So I'm designed to spend a lot of time alone and then to be in groups that I'm normally leading. And the reason that I don't do more social things is because I do have the open mind and the open crown. So see, when I get in a group of, uh, in a room full of people, there's all these mental um, images and mental messages that want to come in. And I've learned over time to manage my environment by where I place myself and that, you know, dealing with so-called negative thoughts is sometimes more challenging for the so-called open-minded or non-activated mind person because they're getting bombarded with people's thoughts whether they want to or not. So, see, me just being aware of that helps me going into social situations to not absorb uh, the stuff that's going on. But that's normally why I don't spend very much time in just normal social situations that other people enjoy or think they enjoy. Because, see, I don't want to use my energy blocking off a lot of stuff. And that's why I like in, in public situations to be sharing information Or I'm more of an intimate person to be connected like more one-on-one or very small groups. And part of that is the energetic side of it. So when I'm in those social situations, see, I take more than seconds. Sometimes I take minutes and I remove myself from a conversation and I'll go walk around the room or the home or go outside to get recalibrated, to come back in and reinsert. And so uh, this is just a... A ton of useful information for those that, 
for one thing, are empaths that take on other people's energies. Um, all of these exercises, and especially this listening exercise, can be so helpful to empaths because that's what you're doing is you're paying attention on all these different levels. And when it's time for you to go, you learn to go, to leave. Uh, not so you don't take on negative energies, but the, so that you conserve energy for another situation. And that's why the majority of people's issues comes down to a management, from my perception, management of your environment. Because whoever you subject yourself to, depending on how many centers you have uh, empathic on the human, your human design, you're, that's going to determine you know, how much time you can spend in that environment before it turns toxic or starts to shift your vibration. So one of the big, biggest points around bringing yourself back to that center point and back to that vibration is managing your environment. We could also apply this hearing versus listening way of looking at things as what we've discussed already to actually listening to this podcast and and hearing the concepts because I've listened to uh, many of our episodes uh, many times and sometimes I can listen to them and not get anything out because I I think I've heard everything in it and I think I've understood it and practiced it but then sometimes I can be listening and something that I've heard 10 15 times will suddenly ring true to me and I'll be like hold up this is like groundbreaking to me <laughs> so it's it's almost like one when we think we know something or we think we've heard it a, a bunch of times we can tend to zone it out and maybe only try to really really listen to the new stuff that we think we don't know but also there are points in our life where we're not ready to really hear things and maybe um we have to be at a certain level in order to I, mean, I don't want to say that we have to be at a certain level in order to hear things and listen like in order to listen listen um but they may not click as much right yeah so well said and i'm so glad that you brought this up because you know it could be said that you need to hear something a hundred times before you're ready to listen and it also can be said that if you listen one time you can save yourself from hearing it a hundred so you know, that teaching right there fits into the basic concept of of this whole philosophy is that the answer is always yes and no. The variables is what determines that. So when people say, you know, let me ask you a question, you know, many times in a playful way, I'll say, well, I'll go ahead and give you the answer is yes and no. And that confuses them. And then I say, well, now you give me the variables and we're going to either lean towards yes or we're going to lean toward no, but we're going to accept that whatever the answer here is, the exact opposite has to exist as well. So getting into that, especially people that feel like they have been working on themselves for a while, and I, I run into that in my private practice quite often where I'll bring up a certain issue or situation and they out of frustration will say, I've been working on this issue my whole life. But when I actually ask them what, to please describe the work, like what are you actually doing step by step? I hardly ever get an answer with what people are actually doing. So I think what is happening is people have confused awareness, becoming aware of something as doing the work. And the work is actually what you do after you become aware of it. And that is why, you know, it is called work because normally it's challenging and normally it's something that you don't want to just naturally do. So that's where the saying that if it's challenging for you to do, it's probably good for you. So I want you guys to and gals to listen to it from this position that if you hear something and you have a resistance or you have a little... <laughs> I can't believe you're saying this to me. I know this, obviously. The more that you have the need to let that be known, the further you are away from listening. When you can have somebody tell you something that you already know, and it brings up no defense, it brings up no judgment, it brings up no reaction, then you're already listening. So pay attention to that, people, especially... 
all of you that love talking about, you know, self-growth and self-help and changing and things like that to just realize that knowing it isn't enough. It's, it's a step above most people being aware of something, but that is truly where most people stop once they're aware, oh, this come because my father was like this. Okay, well, now what are you doing about that to heal it? And that's what we get into specifically in this work. So, so this is a goal mine that in past episodes I've talked about that when somebody gives you information, you have three options normally. One is that you resonate with it and agree with it. Then there's two different ways of when you resist it. One resistance is you just see it as not true. You're clear in your own truth, so there's no need to retaliate. You maybe don't continue the conversation, but that person speaks their truth, you speak your truth, and there's no emotional reaction. So that's a good sign. But when you have resistance and then you have this need to overcome the other person, to change the other person's mind, any type of force that's there, that's a direct acknowledgement that you have something that you personally need to look internally at, that you're not as clear on the subject that is being discussed as you think that you are, or you wouldn't be having this emotional reaction. So see, rather than going into battle with the other person trying to prove to them that you're right and they're wrong, merely shoot that inward and find out why you're questioning yourself truly. You think this other person's questioning you. But your need to defend, your need to give the so-called right answer is the defense. And truth really doesn't need defending. It is. If it's your truth, find comfort in that truth. Because all the fighting and everything over here that goes on out here is because people aren't clear in what their truth is. Because once you get clear, you look for a way to communicate it, not yell it, not fight it, not prove it, but you look for ways to communicate it. So this is the gift for all of you smart people that know a lot that now we're calling on you to now go do the work. And the work is to practice what's hard, what's challenging, to shift your vibration, to shift what you're attracting in. And now there's, you know, there's some people that has the view that we should only work on our strengths now in this time. And working on our weaknesses is a thing of the past. I've heard that fairly recently. And I just want you to consider that, that, you know, the new way, the feminine way is the internal way working on changing ourselves. And that's what's ahead of us, people. That's what we've just started. All the masculine energy is crumbling all around us. So see, most masculine energy only focus on their strengths. And they work to make those few good things that they do well, they, they work to make their life around that, those few things. But true people that want to grow consider that they work on those weaknesses. They work on those areas that they they feel could be stronger. And they save their uh, gifts for times of emergency situations and times where there's not enough, the right situation for practice. And so just, just consider that, that we do want to pose this in a way that it is not trying to fix or correct stuff. It's merely using it from a frequency perspective as you're shifting the frequencies to bring in a different vibration. Let's get away from fixing, from, from healing, terms that have such a, a harsh um, judgment around them. And let's look at terms like support and management, shifting, because we're dealing, dealing with frequencies. No matter what you're, you're dealing with in your life, the basic communication is through frequencies and we change the frequency of something by slow gradual changes is what's going to get it to to stick so when somebody comes at you trying to push their view on you 
sometimes it's hard not to react and want to be like, oh, well, this is what I see and this is where you're wrong. And I've been very guilty of this in the past. And I think there are some perspectives out there that may even say that that is standing in your power. So would you say that that is or or not? I want to give a, rather than asking that question, I'm not dodging that question, but I am going to pose the answer in a different way. That is it standing in your power to get your view across more? Or is it standing in your power by letting someone, by being receptive to someone that has a completely different view and you showing comfort in that? See, to me, that's much more powerful somebody that is comfortable in their belief to where they can listen to any uh, anyone else's words and show them how to listen show them what it feels like to be heard that's truly powerful and then the person in power normally has a level of consciousness of whether their truth sharing that will be beneficial to the situation or not and that's more of that practice of living in non-preference. Is I don't have a preference here of whether you believe me or not. Because normally when we're trying to get other people to believe stuff that we're saying, we're really needing them to believe so it helps us to believe more. So that's why I suggest the more that you feel like you need to be heard, the more you need to be practicing listening. Because the true art of standing in your power is being able to be involved in any type of situation. And that situation does not change who you are, what you're about, or what you exemplify. That you're able to hold those three vibrations. And whenever you're not able to hold those three vibrations, as soon as that's the case, you begin managing your environment to remove yourself from that environment or your frequency is going to be altered. And that is normally altered through our emotions. And so, so as the saying that we, we love, uh, you know, on this podcast, would you rather be right or useful? Or would you rather be right or helpful? And in this, is it standing in your power more to show somebody that you can listen? Or is it standing in your power more trying to force people to hear what you have to say? Because I happen to feel and have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt in my own life that if you want somebody to listen to you, you show them what it's like to be heard first. You don't yell at them telling them to listen to you. And this is where many parents get off with their kids. They get in arguments with their kids. There shouldn't be any arguing between parents and kids. Many times the parents don't show the kid what it's like to be heard. They're busy talking to the kid. So go out there, all of you um, warriors, and practice standing in your power by being able to listen to another or opposite point of view and that not bother you at all. Just attempt to be that example. Um, and then you will find, if you practice that, you will find that more people may start asking you your opinion or how you view things. Because normally... The intrigue comes from the one observing, and normally they're eventually they're asked or called upon, and that's when a huge energy shift can happen. I'm glad you brought in the the kids aspect, and I wanted to also touch upon relationships because oftentimes uh, there's one person in a relationship saying or telling the other person, "You're not, li- you don't listen to me. Uh, I don't feel like I'm being heard." So these are, you know, this is a term that's being thrown around. So maybe we can touch upon, like, maybe you can give an example of each. How, what is an example of somebody listening to their significant other? And what is an example of somebody listening to a child like you just brought up? Okay, so an example of that is, say, we'll just use a man and woman in a relationship for this example and say that the the woman is carrying that frustration of, you never listen to me, you don't care about my opinion, that type of thing. So the male in this scenario, it would be useful for for them or him in this situation to simply say, well, please, I want you to express yourself and I'm going to sit through this without replying until you get finished. And I'm going to ask you if you're ready for my reply. And then I'm going to reply and you're going to let me talk until I need to get everything out. 
and then I will rest and let you reply back. Because this is a practice in making sure that the other person feels heard. And if they're at a point of frustration or emotional reaction, then obviously this is more than just this situation at hand. And it has to do more with than just this couple. More than likely, this female hasn't felt heard throughout their life. It could be with the parents and on, on through the line. So back to we're all constantly playing roles. So in that situation, the invitation, rather than going, I do listen to you and retaliating back and or you're always too emotional. You know, that's what will be given many times that invitation to say, "Okay, I want to sit here and I want to listen to everything that you have to say. And I'm not going to say anything until I'm clear that you're finished. And then I want to respond and I'd like for you to do the same thing, you know, and that that works very similar with children, you know, uh, if the child is throwing a temper tantrum, like just to discipline them to not have to deal with it is what happens many times. But if the parent is able to go, I know you may not be able to tell me right now what you're so upset about, but that's what I'm really interested in. So like, can we just take a time out and, and just go sit outside and relax for a little while and then we'll discuss this a little bit later? See, but many times, again, the parent is on the kid in that moment. Tell me what's going on. You need to tell me. You need to tell me. And see, that with children, they need to feel safe that it's okay to tell it. That's why from a great key for many parents is to let them know that you're interested. Let them know that you're there. But then give them some time to process. Because sometimes just in them thinking about how they're going to talk to the parent about it, they'll resolve it themselves. That's what we need to get back to, to remember that possibly the golden ticket to optimal health is conscious communication. Because most of the time when that's not happening, emotional frustration is. And so that's the beauty, once again, of of this work and the long-term effects is that when you do the work that we're discussing in any relationship, it doesn't just cater to that relationship. It caters with every relationship that you have. So anybody that you invest practicing this on, you don't waste it on them if they leave your life. That's the main thing because you're constantly working on yourself and your response to this person, not the relationship per se. Most relationship work is really around communication, which is really within ourselves and our triggers and our the words that you know set us off so that's why if you want to heal everybody around you work on yourself so i'm glad you brought up the the kids won't necessarily express themselves unless they feel safe i would say in that situation the reason why they don't feel safe is because the parent is in emotional reaction and they like maybe on a subtle level understand that what they want to say may not be seen clearly and neutrally. And I can say, I can see how that is very similar in, in a romantic situation where you may not want to speak your truth or say something that is your truth unless they are on a, on a neutral level. Yes. Cause I mean, I keep a very, um, do my best every day to keep a very balanced emotional state. And I do have my emotions activated in the human design, but I still, find it challenging with people even around me to open up but to only a certain level of vulnerability even when they know that there's not going to be an emotional attack so whether it's embarrassment or self-judgment there's many things that keeps us from being authentic and in intimate relationships normally it's the it's the battle of power and that's why I want, wanted to bring this topic up to, to show that there is a difference between listening and just being passive. There is a difference between living in non-preference and not caring. And I want to clear up a lot of these terms because uh, to practice living in non-preference doesn't mean that you don't care about anything or anyone. It just means that when you come to a situation to where you need absolute truth or as close to truth as you can possibly get, your preference is going to get in the way of that truth. And so practicing being able to set your preference aside at any time is the ultimate goal, not that you live all of your life every moment in non-preference. 
That's why the teachings is practice living in non-preference. So uh, this all brings us back around to those that are seeking truth or guidance or, you know, it's, it, this brings in like even reading signs such as astrology or tarot cards or tools, pendulums, tools that people have in these types of, um, in this work that if you can't get out of the way, if you can't use that tool without a preference, truly question how accurate that you're seeing these readings to be. And that's why normally before working with anybody with any type of psychic skills or building that, the step of learning to practice non-preference is essential with the people that I work with. So earlier I brought up uh, how my experience of listening to the podcast and sometimes hearing things for the hundredth time, but it all of a sudden being relevant in that situation. There might be an aspect of like divine timing here as well in play. And I, I wanted to bring up the idea that the divine speaks through our experiences or can speak through our experiences and other people. And this can bring in the pillar of everyone and every experience can be your teacher or teach you something in that moment. And we've talked about in the past where, or or I've even had experiences where somebody will say something to me that is out of character for them, but it means something to me, but doesn't mean anything to them. And then they say, I don't know why I said that. And I've even had, had those moments where I've even recognized, why did I say that to this person? And then I can see how maybe it it's a message for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this brings in, you know, playing roles once again. And that's, that's a big um, flag when ourselves or somebody else says, I don't know why I said that or, or I don't know why I just did that. And that is normally the direct uh, sign that we are playing a role or we're part of roles being played. And a lot can be gained from that. Uh, but this is also deeper understanding of the human design and being able to see where you're vulnerable and where you may play roles that you don't want to play. And this can help people step out of roles in relationships. And that is so important because many times these roles is what winds up becoming the detriment or the destroyer of the relationship. And unless the person does their internal work, they're just going to continue to either invite you in to play that role or if you're not involved anymore, invite somebody else in. So that's why this internal work and working on our traumas and the things that we've gone through to heal and release those. And uh, that's really what the healing is, is releasing and letting them go. Uh, Not feeling, looking for redemption, not feeling that they deserve some kind of um, retribution or something like that. It's truly like holding up weight in your hands, say it's 50 pounds, and over time it gets super heavy. So what feels good is to let it go. And that's what these negative emotions that we carry on from our past does to us. It just really weighs us down. And bringing that back around to what you first spoke about was the divine timing. And out of all of the variables, and I study variables, um, out of all of the variables in this so-called human experience, this divine timing is possibly the most interesting or possibly the most crucial. That nothing can happen or be allowed to happen until it's the right time. Because... There's always multiple factors and, and so many variables tied together. We are all connected. So see, when something happens for us, it doesn't just affect us. So this is, once again, another beauty of practicing non-preference, that if you go for something and you get the door closed in your face, not to let that break your spirit because it wasn't the right time. And if you just persevere and you keep moving forward, there will eventually more than likely be a right timing for that or you wouldn't have been pulled to create that in your life. Now, some of us get trained and we get way off course with our authentic selves. And so, see, those doors closing, it can keep us from getting what we want, but it can be directing us back to our authentic selves. And this is why our preferences get in the way of our contentment and not understanding our cosmic makeup Uh, really creates a lot of issues. And I'm going to say it again here that the three main aspects of wellness 
from the Just Philosophy's perspective is if you take your cosmic makeup or energetic makeup and you take your living environment, which most people, that's their birth parents, but not always, and then you include your traumas, those three aspects is what is going to define you and how you see the world, how the world responds to you. And those three aspects is what leads us directly to our authentic selves. And it helps us to look at the past tragedies that helped happen to us to see it in another light, to see that it was helping to redirect us. Because most people that get deeply into this work, they will find that they were way off course. And it's not their family's fault. Everyone's family is doing the best that they know how. But it's our own responsibility at some point to step in and start raising ourselves. And from my standpoint, one of those steps is beginning to understand our cosmic and energetic makeup and seeing how to utilize that information to release and let go of the traumas and forgive the people that have played roles that we viewed as negative situations. But remembering we had to go through the negative and the so-called positive to be where we are now. And everybody's exactly where they're supposed to be. But at any time, we can change our trajectory through our perception, and that leads to changing in actions and getting into response rather than reaction. I can see now through this conversation that it's an act of listening or, or I've just been kind of connecting the everybody and every situation can be your teacher with listening. It's kind of like, I don't know if, if you've ever tried to match up the pillars with senses, but I feel like there's something there with, with that being listening because, uh, even like, uh, as you were just talking, um, about when you were doing your response, I had this, this, uh, vision of like, at one point, somebody like in a grocery store suddenly came up to me and just said something like, why would somebody just randomly say something to me? But it had meaning, uh, when it happened. And like, I think a normal person who's not listening would just dismiss that as well. Why would they say that to me? That's weird. And then just go about their lives. But if we are actively listening and looking at every situation or every person, every interaction as possibly teaching us something, then that is going to help us uh, get the the information from the universe. Because I, I have this, this idea in my head, the way I see the world is I feel like the universe is always trying to steer us in certain directions of, of if you want to call it fate or divine timing, basically. Mm-hmm. And if we're not listening, then the way it tries to get our attention is going to be more drastic, more drastic. And that's kind of how uh, we, we talked about on a previous podcast a while back, how traumatic events can happen. It, it could be that, you know, we've just ignored the signs of something we've had to take notice of and maybe change in our lives. And we've just ignored it. We, we weren't listening. And it just, that was how it had to get our attention. Yes. And that, and that is like accumulation, like you said, I mean, I like to suggest that it starts out as a whisper, you know, and then when you don't get the whisper, then it has to come into like normal volume. And if you don't listen to that, it has to turn into yelling and the yelling is like a a tragic event having to happen. And so even people that come in and will like complain about their job or talk about like how much they don't like their job or how much they don't feel supported and not they're not in love in the relationship, but then the person, their their mate will leave the relationship or they will get fired or uh, laid off from their job and then they will be upset or angry. And I'll remind them that you've been coming here for months complaining about your job, talking about that you wanted to quit and that's the energy that you're putting out and life is just responding. But see, really what in the, happening in most situations there is they're getting the pull that it's time to leave. And they're not acting upon it because of their mental state of how they've been trained mentally, whatever that is, Um, just because they're fearful of change or some people are just comfortable with their their dysfunction. And so, yeah, so maybe a year goes by and that person doesn't make a move. And then, yes, they need to get laid off because they won't they won't take the the hint. And so many times this person will go into victimhood. And of course, this is the exact opposite of listening. You know, the listening response to that 
would be, you know what, I've been unhappy with this job for a year. They finally did what I couldn't do for myself. So bless them. Yes, I'm a little bit concerned and fearful about what's happening right now, but I see it as an opportunity. I see this as life supporting me. And see, that's a whole different perception than staying angry and going into victimhood and why did this happen. So, you know, connecting the why with, you know, the title of this podcast, The Wise Wise, that's a very initial, you know, yellow flag. Anytime you're saying why to something external, that's a direct connection that you need to look internal for an answer or that why can be answered as there's always something to learn here. That's why. So anytime you have a why external, go just pause for a minute and say, well, the why is because there's something to learn here and what can I learn? And with that person that lost their job, they can learn to listen sooner before they get put into this situation. Be more proactive. Don't procrastinate. And, you know, the person that loses their relationship when they said that they were unhappy, very similar. They can say they can see that. No, this turned out the what I was fearful of anyway. Now I'm all alone. So yeah, I should have, should have, would have, could have done this, you know, five years ago. So don't waste the energy on the should have, would have, could have. Just switch it to moving forward. Yes, when I get the first urge to make an adjustment, I'm going to be alert and I'm going to start listening. And then, I'm, yeah, I'm going to pay attention to the signs and what people do bring to me to to talk about. And see, that changes the whole vibration of how one uh, approaches life. Whether you're in defense and you're so focused on what you want to do and your time is so tight that you don't have time for that stranger to come up to you and talk. So you may get frustrated or even angry and it could ruin the rest of your day because this stranger just wanted to give you a message maybe from the divine. And they don't know why all the time. But to the person that's looking at life and approaching it like, what will life bring me today? What messages will it bring? Then that interaction doesn't go through frustration. It goes through excitement. And this is the difference of approaching life as a child or approaching life as a so-called unconscious adult. Unconscious adults typically are scared of everything and questioning everything. And child's eyes are wide open and appreciative and wowed by everything. So this is part of our true free will. And as I say many times, we don't have as much free will as we think we do, but the one area we do have it in is our perception. So exercise that perception, people, and be open to listening. Practice listening. Beautiful. So in closing of this podcast episode, how would you suggest people utilize listening versus hearing uh, when listening to this podcast and utilizing this philosophy to to the betterment of their lives? Well, I would like to suggest um, the pause button and for to maybe, you know, and of course this is coming at the end of the episode, but uh, in things moving forward or episodes moving forward to to listen to a little bit and then pause. And the word I want to bring in here is a very important word that we haven't talked about very much, but I look forward to expanding on it, is contemplation. And contemplation is just where you carry a thought or a possibility in your mind and you allow it to develop. And this is what this comes back around to that when people are telling us stuff that we already know, No, if you already knew it, it wouldn't be coming to you. So first of all, stop thinking that and be in question. Well, I want to find out why this is coming at me. And and see, that's kind of like contemplation. So then walking through this life in contemplation, everything that is presented gives you something to contemplate, just consider. See, not to correct, not to fix, not to force your way on, but just to contemplate. And I can't express to people the beauty uh, and the art of contemplation. And this is where many artists and poets live, is in contemplation. See, there's no decision that's looking to be made. There's no line that's looking to be drawn. It's just that, what if? What if I look at it like I normally wouldn't for a little while? That's okay. It doesn't change my truth. And see, the one that stands in their truth is the one that's looked at it 
from every different angle with a very unbiased view. You've taken in all the information unbiased. That's where you can get your authentic view of it. So, um, so I've loved this, this, uh, this podcast and this discussion that Aaron and I have had this evening. I hope that uh, you beautiful people enjoy it as well. So be sure to give us shout-outs, and we appreciate any and every way that you support us, whether it's financially or through sharing. So please do what you feel. Very beautiful. I hope you all have enjoyed. Stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness. appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, 
behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y dot com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.